What's going on, everyone, and welcome in to another edition of B-Shape Daily. Brendan Schaefer here with you, evening hours of Monday, March 20th, 2023. As we'll talk a little Cardinals baseball today, we'll talk a little World Baseball Classic as well. I would say the impact of the St. Louis Cardinals on Monday's semifinal game Maybe not as favorable as the impact that St. Louis Cardinals made on Sunday's game as Team USA advanced to the championship. But we'll talk about some of the influence uh, of the St. Louis guys on the matchup between Mexico and Japan. Preview a little bit, looking ahead to Tuesday. Going to be a very interesting championship game between Team USA and Team Japan. A lot of intrigue, a lot of storylines there, and I'll, I'll give you kind of my thoughts on the World Baseball Classic as we approach the final game of the tournament. And then we'll get into a little bit of Cardinals news. I guess it was news on Monday. Kind of weird the way that this this came up. We had talked on yesterday's podcast, uh, previewing the Cardinals opening day roster, talking about the possibilities. I, it's not like I gave my 26 and said this is going to be what it is, but I talked about basically every angle we could come up with as to uh, exploring every potential player that could land on the 26-man roster and what it would take to get them on there, some of the repercussions of certain guys making it versus others, and uh, really dove into that on yesterday's B-Shape Daily. That's episode 339 in your podcast feed, so check it out on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and uh, give me a follow. Give me a subscription as well. Um, I had said in a, a previous episode that on Spotify I can actually – I get that those numbers. I don't own Apple. I don't really know why. I've, I've been trying to get that figured out, and their their analytics just aren't working for me. But on Spotify, I do. And uh, so if you subscribe or follow, I think, on Spotify, on Spotify is what it is. If you follow the show on Spotify, I will know. So uh, thank you to uh, the, the, the new person that followed yesterday. I appreciate you. So check it out on Spotify. But I had talked about the Cardinals opening day roster and basically counted Paul DeYoung out from it based on the understanding that he was going through some back pain in, in an injury situation. But then Monday, we got actually an update on that that made it seem like there was even an additional setback on Monday, which I thought that was already kind of the writing was on the wall for Paul Young to be starting the year on the injured list. Evidently, something else actually happened since we talked about it. So I'll, I'll explain what that is and sort of give my thoughts on the DeYoung situation going into the year or anything else that may come up regarding Cardinals baseball, still that time of year where if you've got a question about the Cardinals or a topic of conversation that you want to see discussed on the show, uh, shoot me a DM on Twitter, at bshafer12, and uh, I'm sure it'll be uh, whatever topic it is, as long as it's something reasonable, we can we can dive into it uh, with some of the upcoming podcasts before the season begins, and then obviously once the season gets going, it'll be into the day-to-day of what's going on with the team and the news and things like that. So let me know what you're thinking right now, though, coming into the year about the Cardinals, at bshafer12 on Twitter. We start, though, tonight with the World Baseball Classic. Great game tonight between Japan and Mexico. Japan with the come-from-behind victory in the bottom of the ninth inning. The good news, hey, Lars Newpark gets to play another game, and he'll be going up against all of his St. Louis Cardinals teammates that are on Team USA. That'll be 6 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday down in Miami. Going to be a lot of fun. The downside, however, is that the way that Japan was able to win that game came at the expense of, well, some some Cardinals relievers. Jojo Romero gave up a three-run homer that accounted for three of Team Japan's runs. And 
I think one of those runs was charged to Urquidy, the Astros pitcher, but Romero came in, gave up the bomb. Uh, Jesus Cruz, who's a former Cardinal, pitched a game with St. Louis back in the COVID season 2020, gave up a run. And then Gio Gallegos, the team's eighth inning man, uh, coughed it up in the ninth inning, did not have a favorable outing, didn't record an out at all, gave up two hits, a walk, and the, the two earned runs on the double over the head of the center fielder. I assume it went down as a double, but it was a hit that went over the head of the center fielder and two runs scored to end the game in the bottom of the ninth. Absolutely high drama in the World Baseball Classic semifinal, which sets up the matchup between Japan and USA. But, yeah, I, I think my takeaway there is um, I don't know if Romero's going to be on the roster. We talked about yesterday him being one of the lefties that could certainly get an opportunity. I don't know whether the, the, the bomb he gave up on Monday is going to have any impact on that decision for the Cardinals. There are so many lefties in that mix, though. I It would not surprise me to see it be somebody else, but they there's certainly upside there uh, when when he is right because he does have a, a, a lot of raw power in that arm. So we'll see what the Cardinals decide to do with Romero, but I think the bigger concern would be Giovanni Gallegos. I am a little worried about Gio coming into the season, I'll be honest. First of all, I would have been worried regardless of the result tonight. It, it stinks that he did not have a good outing for his country, for Team Mexico to to be able to bring that one home. That's unfortunate in and of itself, but I I don't think my takeaway or my take here is because of him blowing the game tonight for Mexico. I think I would have had this take regardless because in the World Baseball Classic, they are not pitching under the 2023 rules in Major League Baseball or, or playing under them, I should say. The bases are the old size. There's no pitch clock. There's no, you know, all of the, there, there's no band to the shift. All of the rules that were in play for 2022, those are the rules being used in this tournament. So Giovanni Gagos is the one guy, I think, in Major League Baseball that you look at and you look at his times to the plate last year. It was like over 30 seconds, I think, when he had runners on base. And even bases empty, I don't think he fared particularly well in terms of his uh, snippiness and getting the ball to the catcher, actually throwing a pitch with a little bit of expediency. He is not pitching with a pitch clock this spring because he's been at the World Baseball Classic for the majority of the spring. And he's the one guy that I think you'd worry about when it comes to that more so than anybody else. And not only does he have those the predisposition towards struggling with being quick to the plate in between pitches, he spent the entire spring operating under rules that it doesn't that doesn't matter at all for him. And he struggled <laughs> doing that. So I think there are definitely attributes stacking up against Giovanni Gallegos right now. Again, he has been so good, so consistent for the Cardinals over the years. I have a little bit of a concern, I think, coming into the season. It's not massive. It's just it's still spring training for most guys. For him, he's been pitching in some very meaningful games, and, and tonight was not his night. And so I, it's hard to judge him against that because it's it's normally the time of year where it should be spring training, and so I don't want to overreact or underreact to any of it. But I do think it's notable because he's not even pitching with the pitch clock yet, and he's going to have to do so. I don't think the Cardinals can automatically just assume he's going to be you know, that eighth inning guy that has always lights out for them, there are new variables that Gio is going to have to deal with this season. And I, I'm not saying it's alarm bells time, but my, my senses are, my, my spidey senses are tingling a little bit when it comes to Giovanni Gallegos. Uh, hopefully he, he comes in and it's all well and good, but I, I think it is something to kind of keep an eye on. I'll be curious to see how he fares in the early portion of the season, having to adjust in a matter of like 10 days from the end of his time in this tournament, which which concluded tonight with the loss to ramping up for March 30th at Bush Stadium. It, 
the, I don't know how much experience he's honestly had with the pitch clock because he's been for several weeks away from the team. So interested to see kind of how that goes. That's my biggest takeaway uh, from the pitching side, from things that took place in the game between Mexico and Japan. Um, on the other side of things, obviously Lars Newtbar, an inter- international superstar at this point, uh, leading off, I believe, tonight for Team Japan. Didn't really do anything. 0 for 3 at the plate. Uh, Shoyotani was 2 for 4, had a couple of runs scored. I cannot wait to see on Tuesday just what unfolds between Japan and the United States when you've got the obvious storyline nationally is going to be Shohei Otani v. Mike Trout for all the marbles in the World Baseball Classic. And Otani has said that he is available to pitch in relief. So he could he could Madison Bumgarner this thing, right? In the, what was it, 2014 World Series, whichever World Series that was. Madison Bumgarner coming out, finishing it out. What if that's what Otani does here in the in the World Baseball Classic Championship game. Pinches like the final three innings. How crazy would that be? Uh, against a, a dynamic lineup for Team USA. Like, I assume Team USA will be the favored team coming into it. I don't know, though, who's pitching for the United States because they, they use Wainwright and Michaelis recently. You've got Nick Martinez, I think, probably could be on turn, could be available. Uh, I, I don't know off the top of my head. That is the one weakness kind of of Team USA is the depth in the starting pitching um, Merrill Kelly, I think, recently pitched. I don't really know the direction that they're going to go necessarily there because Miles Michaelis did end up coming in uh, as a reliever in that game against Cuba that the United States won 14-2 to on Sunday. So I'll be very curious to see what they do. I- I'm sure it's going to be an all-hands-on-deck situation. They have a-, a limit anyway of like 65 pitches they can throw. So the bullpens get involved regardless. Uh, but that that's going to be high drama, I think. And like I said, nationally, they're going to be talking about Otani and and Mike Trout, teammates with the Angels going against one another for all the marbles here. I think in St. Louis, locally, we are going to be watching Lars Newport. We're going to be watching those interactions with Arnauto, one of his best friends on the team, with Paul Goldschmidt. Obviously, Adam Wainwright and and Michaelis, those guys just pitched, but uh, they'll be the biggest cheerleaders in the country rooting on Team USA from the dugout. I can't wait. I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, seeing how that breaks down. I I, like, I think USA will win, but again, I, I might need to know more about the pitching matchup before that. But it's just, I think the lineup for the United States has finally kind of gotten into its groove. Trey Turner has been amazing throughout this tournament. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt and Arnauto have been amazing. Both of those guys are going to finish, as long as they stay healthy, uh, very high up in the MVP award in the National League in 2023. That's my prediction. They, they finished one and three last year. I would not be surprised to see them both top five again this season. And I think the Cardinals lineup around them will be even maybe a little bit better. And so you'll have more, maybe even more consistent RBI opportunities for the both of them. I would predict 100 plus RBIs for both of those guys. Again, health provided. They have been really good this spring. And then they've they've gone on to do really good things in the World Baseball Classic. Um, I kind of think it could end up being a benefit to the Cardinals. Uh, of course, he had the Arenado injury situation yesterday. It seems like he's going to be okay. I assume he will play on Tuesday unless there are some lingering effects from the hit-by-pitch that he had. The x-rays came back negative, so hopefully he'll be good to go. But I think there could be a lingering benefit when you look at the the two best players on this team. They have not had a normal spring training. It's been ramped up to where they are in kind of midseason mode more so than they normally would be. We have seen over the course of time that Paul Goldschmidt, a historically slow starter in April, right? Like he's... He's not ever been that guy that's just out of the gate firing. I do remember he had the three home run game in Milwaukee 
uh, years ago in that opening series. But typically, Paul Goldsmith for the month of April is not kind of in midseason form yet. It takes him a, a bit to warm up with the weather. I don't know, man. This year, I could see both of those guys coming out of the gates just firing on all cylinders. And if the the lineup around them in St. Louis is able to sort of uh, to pick up what they're putting down, I could see it being a really good start for the Cardinals offensively. We'll end up seeing what that looks like as the uh, as the opening day approaches on a, on March 30th. Rather, it's coming up just around the corner here in about 10 days. One more aspect too on the World Baseball Classic before I, I get into a little Paul DeYoung talk and and talk about his his back pain and issues that are probably going to land him on the IL to begin the year. If if you're one of those people who thinks, oh, the World Baseball Classic, they shouldn't be doing this, the the best players don't really want to play, the pitchers don't want to pitch, and all these things, like there are so many storylines and, and points of view here. Mine is that it's really a good thing for baseball, and if you just take a look and you open your mind a little bit to, hey, do you see these countries around the world and how much it means to them? This is, I mean, there's no baseball in the Olympics right now, and this is what it is, man. This is... On that level, I think, for a lot of countries around the world, you tell me it doesn't matter to Mexico, to Japan, to some of these countries. I- I've seen a lot of United States fans as well get really into it, not just Cardinals fans. It's a really cool event. Uh, you, people have made the argument, oh, they should do it in the middle of the season. Oh, they should do it in November. I actually fundamentally disagree with that. I think at the end of the season, once the playoffs are done, you just aren't going to have the same level of buy-in from players. It's going to be like the Pro Bowl in the NFL where guys are like, ah, I just went through the rigors of a of a six month season. I don't want to. I don't. I'm done. I'm all. I'm burnt out. I think it. I understand the injury concern, especially on the pitching side. I think they do a good job though of limiting. Say, hey, 65 pitches. We're going to limit things. I think for the most part they do a pretty good job, as good as they possibly can. The calendar is what it is. You've got to play it. If you're going to play it, you've got to play it at some point. I honestly do think March is the best time for it. That may not be the most popular opinion out there, but I think it. I think it actually works pretty good. Think about it this way. A lot of times we see people talk about, oh, spring training is too long. The players don't really need all of that ramp-up time. And to some extent, I think that's probably true, but you know there are different schools of thought on that. But if that's the case, if there are guys who would just need a couple of weeks, because it's not like they're doing nothing in the offseason, right? These are professional baseball players. It's not like they're just chilling in the offseason. I mean, some of them probably are. You see guys come in out of shape sometimes, and that happens. But a lot of times in this era, in 2023, they're going to driveline. They're going to—I mean, they're, they're putting in work in the offseason to try to advance themselves in professional baseball. All the—I won't say all the guys. A lot of the guys, you know, 75, 80 percent of the guys, are putting in a ton of work to where it's not like they're coming in cold and having to remember what they—you know—what they do on a, on a baseball diamond. They are prepared for the season. Pitchers, you got to make sure your arm is is good to go so you don't have an injury. That is really the reason for spring training. That's why pitchers and catchers get there earlier. It's why the pitching plan is so meticulous when you talk about uh, guys getting their work in on the backfields versus in the stadium setting. And Ali Marmel and the Cardinals uh, spend a lot of time trying to make sure they figure those things out and plot it out so that everybody's getting the work that they need to stay healthy and to be ready for the season. The hitters, man, I think a lot of hitters probably feel like, "Ah, I don't really need all that ramp-up time. So in, in just a general sense, I think March is probably the best time to have this event held. But if you're one of those people who says, oh, it's an exhibition, it doesn't matter. Watch the games, man. If you didn't, if you didn't enjoy what you saw between Mexico and Japan, just the the drama of it, the thrill of it, and then allow yourself to kind of step out of your own mind and go, man, for those countries, how cool is that? Where United States, like this, we get baseball all the time. We watch Major League Baseball. That's where it is. You got one team in Canada. The rest of them are in the U.S. 
But baseball is becoming even more of a global brand, and you get an opportunity to see that when you see some of these countries and the way they show out and the fan support. I mean, this game is being held in the United States, but you've got so many people of Mexican heritage that are just all about it down there, uh, making sure they get to the game and, and to, to fill it up like it is a World Series environment. I know that there have been different talking heads or different social media people that uh, have gotten some negative attention for their takes about the World Baseball Classic, and, and rightfully so, I think, in certain cases, because it isn't just an exhibition. You can look at the passion that that is involved in it, and it is real. And the environments, they, they do rival World Series. You're not going to tell me that that's not just an incredible environment for baseball if you're watching these games and uh, the, the amount of passion that is in in the faces and the voices of those fans. I think it's undeniable. So I think it's really cool. I think it's going to be awesome tomorrow. Uh, I'm excited to see kind of how it plays out and, and whether we get a, another drama-filled game. That's what I'm hoping for is a close game that gets to be decided in the final innings um, because it, it was great. There was a great baseball game played on Monday night, and uh, hopefully you got a chance to take it in and appreciate it for what it was. But let's go ahead and shift into discussing the St. Louis Cardinals and Paul DeYoung because we sort of figured yesterday that it was going to be this way, that uh, the signs were pointing to Paul DeYoung starting the year on the injured list. Like I said, I thought this was was old news. Um, evidently, there was a, a, an addendum reported today from those that are down there in Jupiter. I saw Ben Fred, Derek Gould, both tweeting about this. Here from Ben Fred, Paul DeYoung said, setback with lower back pain came today while fielding a grounder he hoped to DH on Tuesday before this had happened, but now doubts he will be able to play before camp breaks, camp flex, and rotate the spine without pain. Looks likely he will head to injured list. So that was 1.58 p.m. on March 20th, earlier uh, today on Monday. So I, like I said, I thought it was already kind of a done deal. Sounded like maybe he was progressing, getting a little bit closer to being able to get back into the lineup, at least to, to swing a bat, maybe not field right away. Tried to do some fielding in, in just practice form, and it didn't go well. So I think it seems it's beyond likely. It's almost a guarantee at this point that Paul Young will begin the season on the injured list, which will kind of reinvite the roster question, I think, for that final bench spot, which Paul Young was going to be a guy on the bench anyway, um, maybe with a little bit more cachet to be able to fill in as a starter than whoever's going to fill the spot. Um provided, you know, a situation where Tommy Edmond isn't performing well. You could have seen maybe DeYoung earn his way into more action. Now it's kind of a case of Brennan Donovan, I think, is going to end up being your backup shortstop. But again, he's also a starting second baseman. How much time is he going to see there versus a Nolan Gorman who could DH as well? So some moving parts, but I think an infielder is what the Cardinals will probably need for that final roster spot. Um, I, I don't know again, how they're going to come about that. I talked about it a little bit yesterday. Jose Fermin is on the 40-man roster, but he's already been sent out to minor league camp, and he's not a good hitter. So, I again, when they sign him, not a big deal. You can always let those guys, the, those kinds of guys go later on. Only 23 years old. Um, last year in, in AAA was Fermin and had a 659 OPS there in a full season of AAA with the Cleveland organization. So that's kind of the background on on him as an infielder. I feel like Kramer Robertson, Taylor Motter both offer more upside. Don't know a whole lot about Taylor Motter as far as his background at shortstop. Uh, I know Kramer Robertson could do it. Both have had good productive camps offensively. I think that 
Robertson makes more sense to me personally uh, for the role that it is. Taylor Motter has more pop in his bat probably, but also Kramer's had a good spring in terms of hitting at the plate. So, uh, But three home runs this spring for Taylor Motter with an 804 OPS. He's got a little bit of big league experience over the years. Uh, he's he's not a young guy relative uh, to, to some of the guys you think of as prospects. Motter uh, was played in his age 32 season last year. Trying to get to the site where I can see kind of defensively what he's at least got experience doing historically in his career. Taylor Motter has some shortstop experience in his past, but more recently more of a, a second base, third base kind of guy with a little bit of outfield experience too. But that's just at the big league level. Uh, the, the minor league game logs aren't on here, and that's where he spent the majority of his time is in the minors. So kind of take your pick there. But again, no matter who it is, somebody's going to have to be added to the 40-man roster if it's going to be one of those guys. And if the Cardinals think they need it to be an infielder, that takes DeYoung's place on the roster. I don't think it's a one-for-one to Jordan Walker. I think Jordan Walker's on the roster regardless, sort of the way that I would have it at least. Um, You know, you think back to 2001, the narrative has always been, oh, Albert Pujols only made the team because Bobby Bonilla got injured, allowing the roster spot to be cleared up. No, Tony La Russa has multiple times in public said that's not really what happened. Albert was going to make the roster regardless of the Bonilla injury. It just so happens that that was the transaction that we made because Bonilla was hurt, and so he went on to the the DL, they called it at the time, the disabled list, and the rest is history. Pujols would have been on that team in 2001 with the spring that he had, even if Bonilla had not gotten hurt. It just would have been some other poor sap that, you know, got DFA'd or whatever the case would have been. Um, so that's sort of always been the narrative about the Bonilla injury. Yeah, it, it's a nice story, but it really wasn't the case. Uh, Albert would have been on that roster either way. I think that's going to be the Jordan Walker story, but it just may be that the young injury clears up an additional spot, but then I think you're going to have to look at it and say, okay, who who fills in as a backup infielder on that bench? It's not going to be Jordan Walker. He's going to be used as a, a starting outfielder, I think. But I'm kind of curious about maybe they think they have enough infield-wise. You've seen Brendan Donovan get some time at shortstop. I think that's the the point of that is to make sure he's ready to go in a backup capacity uh, behind Tommy Edmond. And then, you know, if he plays some shortstop, that'll be a day that Nolan Gorman plays second. Gorman can can do that. He can be – you got plenty of second baseman, I think, on the roster. Uh, Gorman, I feel like, could probably play third. I mean, that's what he came up as. So I, I don't know if the Cardinals would hesitate to throw him back there. Um, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis, it would probably be Brendan Donovan able to, to float over to third base. If there was something that did happen to Arenado and it was a longer-term thing, would they consider Gorman or Walker being able to play third base? Probably not Walker. I don't know that they'd want to throw that his direction after shifting him full-time to outfield, even though he's always been a third baseman and was capable there. I think Gorman may be a little more likely, but I honestly don't know how much how many looks he's gotten at third um, you know, in just doing his infield work, it may be a case where Brennan Donovan is suddenly your third baseman every day, and then you have Gorman play second every day with Edmund at short like you expect. That's only in the event of an injury, and so we don't like to think about those things, but it is kind of curious what the machinations could be of the, the bench if they feel like, okay, with Gorman and with the presence of Donovan and Edmund, who are both flexible, do you need an additional middle infield type or an additional guy that can cover anywhere from second to, to third short? I, I don't really know what the answer to that's going to end up being. Like Juan Yepes probably makes the team. Hasn't had a great spring, but I assume he'll be on the team. And he doesn't really offer that sort of defensive flexibility. He can play 
outfield and first pretty much and you know questionable at that it was sort of a, an area of emphasis for him coming in to spring training to improve defensively I don't really care what his defense is like in most cases he can DH if necessary if the bat is lighting up for Juan Yepes he should be playing and 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 just worry about what he does at the plate but I do wonder what the Cardinals think about that if they think they need more defensive flexibility would that be a Taylor Motter or a Kramer Robertson those are at least the two names that I'm looking at to maybe spell Paul DeYoung uh, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but Alec Burleson hasn't had a great spring. He is on the 40-man, though, if they decide we don't care about the defensive position, we just want the extra bat, then Alec Burleson could maybe be an option, but again, hasn't had a super good spring at the plate. So I think the moral of the story is that Paul DeYoung is going to begin the season on the injured list, and that's, I mean, it's maybe not the worst thing in the world. The Cardinals are kicking this can down the road. Uh, it is the worst thing in the world for him that he's hurt. Like, I don't want Paul DeYoung to, to be experiencing back pain. You want him to be healthy. Because if healthy, contributes defensively, you want to see him get the swing back to where it has been at times in his past as a professional baseball player. Whether Cardinals fans are on the edge of their seat expecting that to maybe happen at some point, yeah, they're probably not by and large. But I do think there is a, a conversation that doesn't have to happen right now because DeYoung, there's a spot for him. It's, it's on the injured list and... That would then allow him, when he is ready to come back and is fully healthy and good to go, he'll get ample time at AAA, I think, before whatever the, the situation would arise in the major league level for the Cardinals to say, okay, we're ready for him, we're not ready for him, there is a need on our bench, there isn't a need on our bench, and they can they can sort of take their time with it that way. I wanted it to be you know, the year that Paul Young would come back and, and, and be a major contributor. It still could be, but this is obviously not the start that you wanted for him. Um, but I also wanted it for Dakota Hudson, too, and, and similar story. So I think it's a theme that competition has been involved in this camp. In the case of DeYoung, his ability to compete is, is sort of uh, overshadowed by the fact that he can't stay healthy and uh, is dealing with the back issues. So it's kind of a minor footnote at this point, but I, I do think it's notable that it'll open up a roster spot, you know, because they're, he's not going to be on that 26-man roster. DeYoung, by the way, the spring numbers, he's only had 19 plate appearances, but it looks exactly like it always has for him, uh, 154 batting average, uh, but the OPS is 883 because he's hit a home run and a double. He's got power. He runs into pitches with the best of them, but when a pitcher executes against Paul DeYoung, what ends up happening? Uh, you know, he, he, can, he can strike out and struggle, so... We'll have to wait and see what ends up happening long-term for DeYoung, but I think in the short term, it's going to be him beginning the season on the IL. And uh, I'm I'm mildly curious to see how the Cardinals handle the bench, knowing that uh, DeYoung did at least bring an extra layer of defensive flexibility because they sort of had him ready to say, you could play some third, you could play some second, you could play some short. That's, that's sort of what your role was going to be on the roster. He was going to be that Edmundo Sosa spot, I think, with the ability to hit for a little bit more pop if uh, he, he could reach back and find the the bat that he had when he first came to the big leagues. We'll see. I don't really know what it's going to be like for DeYoung. I'm rooting for him, though. I, I still am. But how delayed will this this back issue, you know, make his season debut become? Only time will tell on that. That's really all I have to get into, though, tonight for uh, this episode of B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me for the Cardinals conversation Plenty to talk about as time goes on, but if there's anything right now, we're in that kind of week period where, especially after the World Baseball Classic ends, there won't be a, a ton of obvious topics. We'll go with the news cycle and see what pops up from down there in Jupiter 
as the guys get ready. But if there's anything else, let me know. Happy Schaefer 12 on Twitter. Always like to talk about the hypotheticals and the situations and anything that could come up. Um, we'll obviously begin to talk more about the rotation, more about the lineup specifically, uh, and what we think the Cardinals could do, what Ali Marble should do, things like that, as we kind of shoot the breeze here about the St. Louis Cardinals on B-Shape Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, for joining me, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shape Daily. Peace.